Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's Friday. We made it through another week of fantasy basketball. Week 13, we're more than halfway through the regular season now, everybody. And that feels crazy. I'm at that point uh, emotionally where I'm a little tired, I'll admit. You're like midway through the season. This is when you really got to hunker down a little bit harder. You can always tell the one team you got that you have. And then this is, I got like, what do I have this year? I had like 16 teams last season. I was able to pare that down. I think I'm at nine or 10 this year. There's always one. That's just dead by the midway point, even for really good fantasy players. There's just one team where, like, all the wrong guys got hurt. There was nothing you could do and just. So that one, I would argue here, and I want to get into our Friday Week in Review stuff very quickly, but I do think that this sort of strategically for your own mental health is something we need to talk about. If you have one of those teams where just everything's gone wrong, and this could be Roto head-to-head whatever, it's okay to just reallocate your mental resources to something else. I have one of those teams. I'm willing to... Look, I'm out there with you guys. It's a team where uh, Kevin Durant was the only thing holding that team together uh, because Freddie Van Vliet missed a bunch of time early in the year, uh, and he's still number 39, or, or, excuse me, that's 39 over the last month. I think on the season, he's, like, near 30. Uh, He's missed, whatever it is, eight or nine games... And did that team have Kawhi? Let me see if I can remember if that team had Kawhi Leonard on it. Yeah, that team had Kawhi. And now, obviously, he's better, so Van Vliet and Kawhi are doing okay, but then Durant is out. Um, That's a league where I traded Kristaps Porzingis for Devin Booker, and now he's just gone forever. Like, on paper, this team should actually be pretty good. It should have been Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Kawhi Leonard, and Freddie Van Vliet lifting that team up. And instead... Most of the and look, I, I know the injury risk that came particularly with Kawhi, uh, but I didn't think that Booker was going to miss this time. That team also has Chris Middleton, and now Kelly Oubre just went down, and just everything's gone wrong for that one. And like some of the mid round picks didn't turn out to be all that good. This was one league where I was like, oh, you know what? I think I need a center, and I went Alperin Shangun, uh, obviously earlier than it should have been. And Michael Porter Jr. hasn't totally panned out. I went real risky. I know what you guys are thinking as I'm saying the names. You're like, damn, there's so many risks on that team. Yeah, sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. There are some risks that are really working so far. Like if I just held on to Kristaps Porzingis in this league, that's a risk that's been working. And then the Middleton thing is such a kick in the nads because he wasn't really ever supposed to be. This wasn't supposed to be. That makes me feel like clerks. Wasn't even supposed to be here today. This draft happened like a solid week before the Bucks said, oh, by the way, Chris isn't going to be ready to start the year. And I thought, oh, well, that's unfortunate, but we'll have him in a couple of weeks. And then six weeks later, he tried to play, got hurt again, and now we're like another six weeks into it. So if you have a team like that where everything's just gone wrong and this team's like bottom three in a Roto League and somehow they're like holding together in terms of games played, but it doesn't matter because they're just not good. It's not a good team. It's beat up, and it's not good, and there's probably not going to be enough time to make a run when these guys come back anyway. It's okay, the point. You guys don't care about all the things that have gone wrong, but I told you anyway. It's okay 
to take a team like that and just pay less attention to it and focus more on the other stuff. For me, I'll focus more on some of my head-to-head leagues where I got to make sure I lock in a good playoff spot, have a good roster going into the playoffs. Do I want to do any pivots at this point of the year? So strategically, I actually think it's okay to do stuff like that right now. Reallocate your brain space. Upgrade your gray matter. Because one day, ah, you guys know where this is going. Some of you know where this is going. Many of you are probably wondering what the hell I'm talking about. Welcome to the show, everybody. Once again, Fantasy NBA Today is the name of the pod. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. I'm on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, and I'm going to keep yelling at you to follow me over there until you all do it. Literally, every single damn one of you needs to be following me on Twitter before I stop yelling at you about it. Because we do an awful lot on social media. At D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I want to remind everybody that's listening on the recorded side that I'm trying to do these shows live on video as often as humanly possible. I think I'm going to be able to do three or four of them when this week is all said and done. What did I end up doing? Yeah, this will be this is the fourth. So Monday I wasn't able to do because uh, Monday was messy, kids going back to school, all that stuff. But it's looking more and more like Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. <laughs> Did I just say the order of the week? Man, I'm tired today. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, it's rough up in this brain right now. They're all going to be live shows this week. And then next week, I'm going to be, well, I'm not going to be able to do Monday because it's MLK Day. Tuesday is a possibility. One of my two kids is off school, but I think I have nanny help in the morning on that one. So my hope is that we can do uh, four shows again next week. And if everything goes according to plan, maybe I can even squeeze in like a Sunday night one before the MLK Monday all-day extravaganza. So check that out. YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos is our YouTube page. Subscribe, like the videos that you see over there, and come join us for sort of like a first airing of this podcast, which is live and special for YouTube viewers only, I do a post-show Q&A in the YouTube live chat. So if you listen to this podcast all the time on recorded device, see if you can join us for the live one. And if you have questions, uh, you can throw those in there. We do a little bit of a lightning round. Speaking of lightning rounds, we're going to have to do an awful lot of that today because I've got ads, I've got drops, I've got holds, watch list guys, buy and sell names, which those actually are not all that long. In fact, the ads, drops, holds watch list, and buy and sell, all together is only like 13 or 14 names this week. But holy crap, the injury replacement board has exploded. I believe it's over 20 names now. Yeah, it's out of control. So I want to leave time for that uh, because some of them, I'm going to try to go through them quickly, but some of them are going to require a little bit of explanation. And then we'll do our weekend preview where we look at... uh, all 30 teams next game, basically, and what we're hoping to find out over the weekend. At some point in the not-too-distant future, probably after the trade deadline, we'll start doing some streaming or more streaming discussion on the podcast on the schedule side, more of the head-to-head stream as opposed to uh, just right now where we're looking for those injury replacement guys. But let's get into the ads. Short though the list may be, and they are just three this this week one of whom has been on the board many times before and i only put him back on there 
because I was getting questions about him on Twitter. He wouldn't have even made the list if questions weren't coming in, and that's Walker Kessler, who should have never been dropped, but his roster ship, his own, his whatever you want to call it, was too low in Yahoo leagues. Uh, with Kelly Olynyk going down for a couple of weeks now, it becomes even more slap you in the face obvious that he needs to be on rosters and started. He looks like a terrific play rest of season and has for about the last four or five weeks. We did get that very brief downtick when the Jazz were fully healthy, and so it's possible that that type of thing does pop up again, maybe, but I'm just not that worried about it, especially when you consider the fact that now there are a lot of teams in the Western Conference that are all kind of floating around near the bottom of the play-in tournament, but the Jazz haven't looked all that good over the last like three or four weeks, really. So if they keep trending in that direction, you might see even more Walker Kessler and... Frankly, it feels silly to have him on this board because he was an ad a month and a half ago. KCP is back on the ads board again. He's someone that I've also had on there a couple of times here recently. And you can see me scrolling around uh, those that are watching live on the the uh, a player rank board. And there's KCP. He's number 102 on the season. He's just quietly been very good all year long with some threes, some steals, some good efficiency. He's the, he's the prototypical 3 and D guy this year, and he's better, as we've talked about, when the Nuggets are fully healthy because his shots are so open, it's insane. He is startable in all formats all the time. Even if you're punting turnovers. I don't, even, I don't care about this turnover punt crap. Which, by the way, I think punting turnovers is overrated because like 85% of the teams in your league are doing it. So now if you... If you sort of zag where they zig, and that doesn't mean like only draft guys who are low turnovers. It just means like have one or two on your team and you could win turnovers almost every week in a league where everybody's punting them. Roto leagues, everybody doesn't punt turnovers. This is more of a head-to-head thing. Head-to-head leagues, teams just completely ignore it because in general, and I, and I understand it too, because strategically... You're trying to max out games played in a given week, which is also going to make it very hard for you to win turnovers because of all, it, let's hope you're getting three, four, five more games than your opponent, your turnovers are going to be higher. But you also have to think, okay, well, what if my opponent is also doing this same thing? What if they're also maxing out games and they're also doing the same stuff I am? Well, all it takes is just a very small... uh effort level and you can then win turnovers like 70 to 90 percent of the time so a guy like kcp actually does make a lot of sense in all formats and and he's not like a you know 1.2 turnovers is good but it's not like his his value is all built on low turnovers his threes have been good his steals have been good his free throw percent has been very good his field goal percent for someone who hits three pointers has been very good this year i think he's frankly a bit underrated and i like him more again now that that team is healthy. And the other one is someone that I've kind of held out on and, frankly, I've been a little bit of a dick about, and that's Mason Plumley, who, because of his... <laughs> I don't even know if we can call it a free throw stroke necessarily, but because of the way he... Um, <laughs> because of the way he haphazardly fires basketballs towards the rim from the free throw line, he's typically a punt free throw play only. But lately, 
He's been just good enough at the foul line to get himself up to 60% on the year. And his other stuff, for whatever reason, uh, you know, the whatever reason is probably just LaMelo Ball getting more and more healthy. His other stuff has actually been pretty darn good. Now, in all likelihood, he was already rostered in your league because someone was probably punting free throws. And so they just had him because he made sense for their club anyway. But if you have to be, if you happen to be in a league where no one was punting free throws and he was on the waiver wire because at that point he wasn't usable, you could grab him now. Over the last three weeks, he's been a top 50 play because his foul stroke is up to 65%, which is still bad, but not break your team terrible. And he's had a weirdly high number of defensive stats. All of this stuff will taper off for him. The rebounds, the assists, the field goal percent, that'll stay relatively good for Mason. But right now, his assists are higher than usual. His turnovers are lower than usual. His free throw number is higher than usual. His blocks are higher than usual. There's an ebb and a flow to a basketball season. And for Plumlee, right now he's on a top 50 heater, so he needs to be rostered. And just be ready because when the bottom falls out, not if, it's a when with him, because, you know, we've watched this for enough years to know, then you can move on. But not every move you make in fantasy has to be either an injury stream, a schedule stream, or a rest of season play. It's okay to actually make a move that's just, this guy's hot, I'm going to do that until this guy's not hot anymore. Your drop, only one. Cole Anthony. I think he was on there last week as well, but I'm throwing him back on there because I keep getting questions about, hey, what should I do about Cole Anthony? I'm like, dude, I told you already. Can we move on? Yeah, we can move on. Let's not waste any time on that one because we've already covered it. Holds. These, I think, do require some explanation. The holds this week are one, two, there's five of them, and I would argue three of the five are kind of tough to hold right now but I would ask you to do so for some sort of varying length can you guys give me that some sort of varying length on the the holds the easy holds right now at least in my opinion are Daniel Gafford because he's just dinged up but he was looking really good prior to that and Al Horford which maybe you guys will disagree with me on that one, but I think Al Horford's a really easy hold because he's still getting 28 to 35 minutes a ball game, and that's more than enough for him because we saw him do it last year. Especially now with Jalen Brown going down, that probably does mean Horford, against all of his body's instincts, is going to have to take one or two more shots per ball game. You didn't draft him for his scoring. You didn't draft him to like to boost your, your percentages because he just doesn't do enough in those to be fantasy relevant most of the time you got him for a combination of rebounds assists steals blocks low turnovers and percentages that won't hurt you and he's still going to do that and he goes through these stretches where he's very quiet and he skips the back-to-backs and all that stuff and that makes him a better roto play than head-to-head and that's what we've been saying pretty much since draft season on this show but he's a hold because we know what he can do and with Gafford, he's a hold because he's just dinged up right now. He tweaked an ankle. The expectation is he's back relatively soon. He's questionable for their game tonight, so he might even be back this evening. Uh, the other three, however, are, in my opinion, much tougher. They are DeAnthony Melton, Jared Vanderbilt, and Bol Bol. 
And Melton is at the top of the board in terms of guys that we knew, we knew that he was going to have to end up on this tough holds list at some point because this is how the beginning of the season started. So what I would ask you to do is go to DeAnthony Melton's game log while we're doing the podcast here, and it's part of the reason that I'm speaking more slowly is because I'm doing it with you guys. Go to DeAnthony Melton's game log and go to the beginning of the season and look at the first four games of the year. He was very much a like a consensus drop at that point. And then he started to show signs of life. He started to figure out what his bench job was going to look like, and he started to get comfortable with it. And if you're wondering, no, it wasn't because someone immediately got hurt. There were some games mixed in there where uh, Joel Embiid went down, and so Melton got thrust into the starting lineup, so there was like a 30-something minute game blended in with some of the other ones. But he had games where he was in the mid-20s in minutes, and it was actually still enough. He's not going to be playing 36 minutes a ball game anymore, coming off the bench. He's not. And this is what we've been talking about. We knew, coming into this, that there was going to be a drop-off. But of course there was going to be a drop-off, because as a starter, as a full-time starter lately, Melton was putting up top 30 fantasy lines. So yeah, his minutes are going to trend down. By a chunk. It's not going to be by like three or four minutes. It's going to be by more than that. He's a mid-20s minutes guy coming off the bench. But believe it or not, that's actually enough for him to still post top 100 value. And that plays. His 23 minutes yesterday was probably only a minute or two off what it'll be when things settle. And by the way, his line yesterday was not all that far off from... Uh, something that we might target with him, which is like 10, 11 points, three boards, three assists. And the only thing he didn't do yesterday, he hit two, three pointers. The only thing he didn't do was get his usual steals, which you know are going to come with him because Melton's a monster in steals. What's he at on the season right now? I forget. 1.9? Good Lord, man. Like, he can easily do 1.4, 1.5 in 24, 25 bench minutes. It's not that far off, actually, from what he was doing in Memphis last year, but just without kind of getting yanked around with big game, little game, big game, little game, there will probably be a more reasonable and consistent measure of what he's going to do night to night. So to me, he's the easiest hold of the three because we do want to give him a chance to settle into his bench role. The tougher holds on the three are Jared Vanderbilt, who seems to have lost his playing time to Walker Kessler, and Bol Bol, who was listed as active for Orlando's last ball game, but didn't get to play anyway. And I'll admit, I don't know what the hell's going on with Bowl. I'm assuming he still wasn't really conditioned for basketball after sitting with COVID for a week. But also you've got Jonathan Isaac waiting in the wings, Isaac playing in the G League right now, his and actually had a pretty good game in, in his G League debut in his first actual basketball action in two and a half years. But what I'm with Bowl, it's really a one more game thing for me. If he doesn't even play in Orlando's next ball game, you can probably move on. If he plays, then we start to get an idea of what they might want to do with him. So that's why we're holding on Bull. Vanderbilt is a hold because it's been 
It's been like this actually for a couple of seasons in two different locations where he'll go on a run where he's super energized and he gets 27 to 30 minutes and he posts big rebounding and steals games. And then he'll go on a stretch where he gets 18 minutes and you can't figure out what the hell happened. The issue there is, like usual, consistency. When he doesn't have consistency, his minutes bounce around, they fluctuate, and it makes him kind of a hard player to consistently roster. But I'm going to do the same thing again. Hold on a little bit. A little bit. It's not the the longest leash in the world here because he's outside the top 150 over the last, like, month, I think. It's been it's been rougher than usual. And if it continues to trend this way, where Kessler continues to eat up the Vanderbilt minutes, I think within the next two or three ball games, we can finally say, okay, this this guy's just a schedule stream. And if you're in a games cap league, you don't have to use him against your games cap right now. I would just squat on him for about one more week, see if he can get things trending back, if the trend line swings back in the right direction, or if it keeps going down the way it is, or staying down where it is. And at that point, he would then make the drops list. So we'll have more on Vanderbilt next Friday here when we kind of reassess things. The watch list is pretty short. It's Grant Williams in Boston. I don't, I, I don't, I'm leaning in the no direction on him because, you know, he got a bunch of extra playing time with Horford sitting one half of the back-to-back and, and Robert Williams sitting the other. Uh, but those guys are going to be playing now with Boston going back into the non consecutive games situation uh Jalen Brown being out for probably a couple of ball games does open things up a little bit but I think that probably does more for Brogdon and Derek White we'll see that's why Williams is on the watch list and the other guys in the watch list are the three players for the Brooklyn Nets which I feel like I've been talking about ad nauseum all week but we finally got a look at them yesterday and those players are Joe Harris Seth Curry and TJ Warren Joe Harris had the best fantasy game of the three TJ Warren took the most Field goal attempts of the three. I think he had 18 of them, if I go back and check. Yeah, that's a lot. Second most attempts to Kyrie Irving. Um, but didn't do anything besides score, and that's kind of unfortunate, although I, you know, I guess we'll see if that's something that sticks. And then Seth Curry had the quietest game of the three. All of them got 20-some-odd minutes, and that's kind of what we were predicting. So they're all on the watch list for me right now. I know Joe Harris had the best game of the three, but I would actually still lean slightly towards TJ Warren among those names. And then as we talked about before, and he's in the injury replacement board, Royce O'Neal is the guy that has the very obvious, okay, dude, you're going to have to basically play 40 minutes a night right now. Uh, And immediately it paid off with four defensive stats yesterday for Royce. Um, And he looks like a pretty easy 12-teamer now. But here's the big one. This is the big board. The watch list. Here's how we're going to do this, because there are 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, 24 names. Oh, by the way, buy and sell, there's only one name, and it's Jordan Poole in the sell bucket. I don't even know how you're going to pull it off. And even as I was typing his name, I was like, this is dumb. Let's just skip this part. So I'm basically going to skip this part on the pod. We'll do a little work over the weekend, probably on social, uh, on buy-sell stuff. But right now, it's not... Because of all the injuries, it's hard to do a lot of buy-sell that's not directly related to somebody being on the shelf. And I hate, I really don't like trading for an injured player because there's so many guys out right now that you're just sort of like swamping your team with zeros. It's a little easier to do in Roto, I guess, if you've got pretty good standing, but it's, it's 
tough, man. That's a dicey play right now. Phone just buzzing nonstop. Leave me alone, everybody. Got to get through a podcast these days. Um, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a name, and then I'm going to give you a why. And I'm going to try to spend, because there's 24 of them, I'm going to try to spend no more than 20 seconds on any one of these folks so that the whole segment takes a maximum of eight minutes. Okay? And I typed this on Twitter, but I'm going to do it on the podcast, too. It's the Ace Ventura deep breath before he goes on his Ray Finkel rant. Here we go. Jalen Williams in Oklahoma City, I believe still with value because of Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Alexi Pokashevsky being out. But there's a chance he holds value even after they come back. He is what we've described in the past as a possible streamer with benefits. Ooh, sexy. Jalen McDaniels in Charlotte. He's an obvious one. He's out because Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre are out. The only question there is, will he have value when one of those two dudes comes back? Or will he disappear when one of those two dudes comes back and only has value because both are out right now? Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon have value right now because Jalen Brown is out. Marcus Smart came back. He actually got a pretty good bump, but he was someone that was being rostered anyway. Um, I like Derek White for his across-the-board stats. I like Malcolm Brogdon for his ability to go get points. And Boston is going to need him to go get some points without Brown and his very large scoring in their lineup. Royce O'Neal, who we just talked about, uh, great injury stream right now. That one's a pretty obvious one because he had it when Kyrie was out earlier in the year. He was rolling top 75. Feels like he could very easily do that again. Gabe Vincent, he's out because Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero out. I believe he actually doesn't get to do enough if either of those two players comes back. I know the obvious thing is to say it's tied only to Kyle Lowry, but Hero's shots being available for everybody, including Bam and Jimmy, but also Gabe, that's part of what's given him value. And then Max Struess is the other name there that I believe also needs both of those guys out. And right now he's borderline. You guys know that sometimes on Twitter I rank these players with a number of burgers, a hamburger emoji, like one hamburger is, I'm starting them, but I'm not that excited about it. Two is, yeah, I'm absolutely starting them. And then three is they're going to dominate, and it's going to be just a, a colossal womp fest. Uh, Struis is like under one burger. I think everybody else on this list has at least one. Thomas Bryant, he got run out of the gym yesterday. It'll be fine, though. A terrible matchup for him against what the Mavs forced the Lakers to do on defense, so don't worry about it, although he's got Joel Embiid in their next ball game, so... Yeesh, pulls collar there. Uh, Patrick Williams did not have a great fill-in game for DeMar, but I like him, uh, and we've talked about it before, he has a really nice fantasy profile. Getting him a couple extra shots per ball game is a really big way to boost his value. Denny Avdia, believe he needs both Porzingis and Beal out to be fantasy relevant right now, but Porzingis is questionable with a rib injury, so it's possible that Avdia has another game in the tank. Slow-mo, long streamer that just can't seem to stay on the court. I think he's out with his second cold since Cat got hurt. And it makes me think, like, does Slow-mo have, like, four uh, preschool and elementary school-aged children at home? I don't know what his family life is like, but he's getting colds as often as I am. And uh, mine are all coming from the children. So, slow-mo, maybe, like, 
wear a mask at home or something, man. We need to keep you healthy. If it's coming from the locker room, I, you know, the rest of the team seems to be mostly healthy right now until he gives it to all of them. Uh, but obviously, he's a stream when he's healthy. He was playing big minutes, and they're a lot better when he's out on the court. Nerlens Noel, only when uh, Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart are out, although it sounds like that might continue here. So we may get a little more of mega defensive stat Nerlens Noel. Sadiq Bey, same story, actually. Very different fantasy profile, but needs both front court guys out. And it looks like they might be. TJ McConnell and Andrew Nemhart, that one very obviously tied to the absence of Tyrese Halliburton, who's dealing with a bunch of stuff. It came out yesterday. He's got uh, a knee bruise. He's got an elbow thing. It's it's a wreck, and he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, meaning probably not ready to come back at that point, but he also heals pretty fast. Either way, two weeks of these guys is very worth it. Uh, love their fantasy profiles for different reasons. Yeah, no... No notes. Trey Murphy. Looked like he got his confidence back. The road is wide open. Uh, so, yeah, getting back in there. He was on our stream board for a very long time, and then we took him off for like two games, and now he's ready to go again. Najee Marshall. He's like a one-burger stream for me because we've seen... Uh, he, he teeters on just being a points league guy. And then he, every once in a while, has these games that are really good because they do have enough of the nine-cat stuff. I, he, he's right on the borderline. Anyika Okongwu, still rolling with Clint Capella out. He's a big three-burger monster these days. Torrey Craig in Phoenix with the whole team hurt, and it seems like DeAndre Ayton's back, but that should really only impact Dario Saric, Jock Landale, and Bismack Biombo. Uh, Craig should just get plenty of playing time at power forward. I suppose there's a chance that Saric slides down now, uh, where he was kind of logging power forward minutes anyway. Craig could still log plenty at small forward. Could he kind of jam up Tory a little bit? Uh, yeah. Eh, one burger. And Dwayne Washington on the same team. Also kind of a one burger because if his shot's not falling, it's going to be a real high volume mess. Leans more in the points league direction. K.J. Martin's a maybe. I put him on this board because we don't know what the deal is exactly with Kevin Porter Jr. right now, but we do know that Martin started the second half in Houston's last ballgame. And when he gets big starters minutes and shots, it does seem like he can post some fantasy value. Malik Beasley with Kelly Olynyk out. Uh, although it sounds like Colin Sexton may be making his return, so this one's also a question mark for me. And then Norman Powell, because Paul George is super annoying to deal with fantasy-wise. But Powell gets in there, and he is just firing, man. That is the least bashful bench player in the NBA, and it is not close. He might may or may not win sixth man of the year. There are plenty of guys that are putting up pretty good numbers as sixth men on teams, but I don't think anybody comes in and shoots faster than Norman Powell right now. He is out of his damn mind. Okay. That's our weekend review. I want to do the weekend preview here and keep trucking because I really, like I said, I don't have that much time today. So I want to jam this one in and I want to get everything together quickly before we peel off and have to deal with more childcare stuff. The weekend. We'll start tonight. On Friday night, we'll just go through every team's next game. New York is in Washington. Nothing with the Knicks. Wizards, you're watching the health of Porzingis and Gafford and then what that means for the other players. Monte Morris, I believe, was just listed as questionable in a pretty recent injury note. 
Uh, if all of those guys are out, then Avdia is really going to kick some butt, and it's possible you might even get a Jordan Goodwin sighting at that point, but I don't know that I would take that plunge. New Orleans is in Detroit. Pelicans, come on. I, I really want to see if Larry Nance can get himself healthy. He just doesn't look quite right to me yet, but we already talked about Trey Murphy. We talked about Najee Marshall. Uh, nobody's that close for the Pelicans. They, every once in a while, we hear word that Brandon Ingram is like inching towards a return, but... I'll believe it when I see it, man. Detroit, it's all about the front court. Nerlens Noel, we just talked about on the streamer board. Sadiq Bay, we just talked about on the streamer board. That's it. Atlanta, sounds like Trey Young is going to be back, so readjust your expectations for the backcourt. Okongwu, Capella, that stuff's still going on. Indiana, first game without Tyrese Halliburton. This is one I want us all to be paying pretty close attention to especially if Aaron Neesmith is actually back in there as well. He was someone that was right on the borderline of 12-team value. Does he pick up a shot or two is the question. Because Halliburton really wasn't taking that many shots per game. Only 15, which is a pretty, I mean, it's a decent number, but it's not like the the 20 shots per game guys that we think about in that high-scoring superstar range. He's more of a distributor he's the orchestrator on that team and then he shoots when they need him to and he's been very very good at it of those 15 shots we know some are going to go to Matt to Matherin a bunch are going to go to McConnell a bunch are going to go to Nemhart some are going to go to Miles Turner some are going to go to Jalen Smith so then again does Neesmith get like one to two extra shots per game because that could push him from that 125 140 range up to like 100 and then he would be a nine cat play as well but it does feel like Nemhard and McConnell are kind of the super obvious ones. Uh, but I do want us to pay attention to this Indiana game because there's stuff to be learned. Warriors, as they're working Steph and Wiggins back in, no real surprises expected there. San Antonio, um, I haven't heard anything about anybody resting in this ballgame, but I guess we'll see. But it did seem like with Keldon Johnson back, all of those fringe guys moved beyond the fringe. Uh, Jakob Pertl looking really good these days. We know he's on the trade block. Start to think about when you might consider a Zach Collins stash. I think we're a little too early because we're still four weeks out from the deadline. Uh, but maybe when you get towards three or two, that's the time to think about it. Phoenix! That, you know, that's the whole Pets Heads has fallen off team right now. Um, I can't believe they're only a five-point underdog. Maybe that's because Aiton's back. I don't know who's going to feed DeAndre Aiton. But Minnesota hasn't been able to guard anybody lately, so it does feel like this is an opportunity for some of those fringy Phoenix guys to have a half-decent ball game. I don't think you need to subject yourself to it, though. Hopefully, slow-mo's back in for Minnesota. That's really kind of the only question mark there, uh, because when he's out, then they pivoted it in Austin Rivers' direction. Oklahoma City, nothing. Chicago would like to see Patrick Williams and Alex Caruso. You know what? He should have been on our watch list from earlier uh, in the program, and I'm going to add him to my list post-retroactively uh, here. Caruso in a full starters role with an extra couple of touches is probably a start. He was really bad in their last ballgame, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be bad in this one. Uh, Thunder play high-scoring games. This is a really good opportunity for him, so I might consider it. Um... What I don't remember is uh, how many games Chicago has here coming up. They might be done after this one, and if that's the case, that makes it a little bit of a tougher play on the head-to-head -head side. Uh, I'll try to look it up here while I'm speaking. No, they've got another one on Sunday. 
Caruso actually could be a really interesting grab in head-to-head leagues for a combination of assists and steals and just, like, being out there and running around and going crazy. I call it the going crazy stat set. Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams. Orlando, I would like to see if Bull Bull gets into the ballgame. That's pretty much it. Everything else is, I think, fairly set in stone. Utah, if Sexton is back, does that push Beasley back outside the trustworthy, our trust tent? It's a yurt, actually. It's a trust yurt. And then Walker Kessler versus Jared Vanderbilt in that front court. They might be able to go to Vando a little bit more because Orlando doesn't really have a traditional interior presence. They're going to have a bunch of guys attacking the rim. But I don't know that I'd call Wendell Carter Jr. a you know a back-to-the-basket offensive juggernaut big man. He can do a bunch of stuff, but he's, he's not a put-to-pressure-on-you kind of big dude. Denver in L.A., Jokic is actually questionable for this thing. They're thinking about resting his wrist for a game. But we'll see. He's probably going to yell at them until they let him play. Clippers are favored by two, though, which makes me feel like Vegas thinks Jokic is going to sit. So that does make me nervous. And if Jokic sits, oh, things get ugly quick. Oh, man. He doesn't sit often, and please don't bother going down the rabbit hole of backup centers for the Denver Nuggets. They're just going to have to find some other way. It'll be a very big game probably with not great efficiency for Jamal Murray. Same deal for Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. These guys, the efficiency is going to drop, but they're going to have to do a bunch. And then with KCP, he's probably not startable when there's Jokic not around to get him his open shots. So Denver, I guess there's something going on. Clippers, uh, Clippers are pissing me off. Keep an eye on Terrence Mann, though, at the very least. He probably should have been on our watch list also. He's not a full ad for me, but I am going to add him retroactively to the watch list, and I'm going to tweet it to make sure that I don't forget. Houston, whether or not Kevin Porter Jr. is playing, and then whether or not there's any value in a fill-in. Let's go to Saturday. Milwaukee, you know, we might actually get a Chris Middleton return for this ballgame. If not, I think next week is the target. Miami, we already talked about uh, during the injury replacement stuff. Memphis, nothing. Indy, we've covered. Boston, we've covered at, at great length at this point now. Um, you know, Horford, Robert Williams, Brogdon, White, Grant Williams, all that stuff going on. With Charlotte, the Mason Plumley heater is a thing to keep track of, but that's about it. Well, Anna, we talked about Toronto, nothing. They've got their starters right now, and they've been beating up on some bad teams last couple of days, but they need to beat a slightly better team to, I think, actually feel good about themselves. Cleveland, nothing. I mean, Ricky Rubio, but basically nothing. I don't think that he's an ad. I don't think he's going to have enough playing time or touches for it to be a thing. Minnesota, we talked about. Philly, DeAnthony Melton, you're tracking. Utah, we talked about. Dallas, nothing. Portland, nothing really unless they decide to see if they can ramp up Gary Payton the second. But I just, I don't think that his ankle is going to hold up, and I don't know that his fantasy game is going to hold up. And then let's see. Anybody on Sunday that we haven't talked about yet? Knicks, no. Pistons, no. Rockets, Clippers, Warriors, Bulls, Thunder, Nets. We get our next Nets data point on Sunday. Royce O'Neal is a go. The other three I'm still watching. And the beauty of it is we have time to watch them. I think you probably can pick up TJ Warren head-to-head side, probably. Roto, maybe you'd consider stashing. There's just so many names on that injury replacement board that I don't know why you'd need to grab someone who's not a sure thing right now. Kingspurs, Magic Nuggets, Mavs, Blazers, Sixers, Lakers. Lakers is the only other team that uh, doesn't go Friday or Saturday. 
they're not going to have anybody back by this one. Reeves and Lonnie Walker are still likely to be out, I think, in another week. Anthony Davis probably closer to two, maybe a little less than that, although they're starting to get him moving again here. Uh, but, you know, this this will be a rough one because Bryant's going to get in foul trouble, then Wenyan Gabriel's going to get in foul trouble. Uh, they worked out Cody Zeller. Maybe they sign him before this ball game just to go take five fouls against Embiid. I, I have no idea how the Lakers are going to handle this, but uh, if you wanted to bench Thomas Bryant against Joel Embiid, I really wouldn't fault you and only start LeBron in that ball game. Seriously, you could go one fantasy play for the Lakers. All right, what do we what do we uh, what do we do there? I was like a forty minute. Okay, forty minutes, not bad. Weekend review and a weekend preview in forty minutes. That's pretty darn good, I think. And that means now that I can send you all back to your day. Thanks so much for making this another fantastic week here on Fantasy NBA Today. To all of my recorded podcast listeners, please do check out our YouTube page again. It's YouTube.com/sportsethos, where we will be doing an after show. YouTube chat room situation. I'll be lightning rounding it as often as humanly possible. It's a really cool bonus and a reason for you guys to come join us for the live tapings of these shows. Uh, also, again, at Dan Bespers on Twitter. Want to thank our sponsors. ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall is the link there. ThriveFantasy.com promo code Ethos. MyBookie promo code Ethos as well. Uh, sportsethos.com is the website, Ethos Fantasy BK. Oh, and if you're on a premium membership and you're listening to this podcast, meaning if you have any of our three main packages or a bundle, I guess, so any monthly plan at Sports Ethos, please hit me up on Twitter. We have a special promo where you can get access to any other premium plan here at Sports Ethos free as part of your deal right now. So hit me up, at Dan Bespris. Claim that prize. Don't be a fool, man. Claim that prize. It's a good one. No strings attached on this thing. The only string attached is that you have to keep your original plan going. But you were doing that anyway. So, yeah, man. Okay, that's it now. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Uh, thank you again. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. I am Dan Bespris. Reverse chronological lightning round on Monday on the other side of the weekend. So long, everybody.